Thank you so much that you are the God who um, blesses us. You've been working uh, in the in the world uh, ever since uh, human beings have ran from you. You've been working in the world to bring us back to you. And thank you um, that you want us now as, as the church, the people of God, to uh, be a blessing to the world. We pray that as we look at... Um, this second part of our vision statement, you can help us to understand profoundly what that means um, so that we can be a church that brings glory to you. Amen. I want to start going back to Abraham, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 3, which we did read, get read out, and if you want to look at the pattern, it's um, back on page 3. Um, in the earliest of ancient times, when there wasn't even a Hebrew people as such, there lived a man called Abraham. Uh, and Abraham married Sarai, but they did not have any children because Sarai could not conceive at that stage. Then one day, God spoke to Abraham and made a covenant, a special agreement. Uh, and he said, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God then gave Abraham a new name, Abraham, which meant father of many nations. And God called Sarai, Sarah. And he blessed her by giving her a child. And God's covenant with Abraham included giving him all the land from the river of Egypt to the Euphrates, a region which became known to the Hebrew people as the promised land. God would bless Abraham and his descendants with the whole land of Canaan. And God told them that they should also circumcise every male at the age of eight days as a sign of this everlasting covenant. But I want to draw you your attention to the last line of this special covenant promise. And it says this. He's just said, you will be blessed. And then he says, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. You could also translate it like this. You will be blessed so that all the clans on the earth will be blessed through you. So that. So God wasn't making this special covenant agreement with Abraham just so him and his family could be blessed, but more importantly, they were a vehicle of going out and blessing out the whole universe, the whole world. And uh, hundreds of years later, in the days of Moses, the Israelites were going to the promised land and they were very conscious of this covenant with Abraham. But it wasn't just so that they could receive God's blessing. More importantly, they were going there as instruments of God so that they would be a blessing to all the peoples of the earth. Abraham, his descendants, his grandchildren, their children and grandchildren, through to Moses and continuing on to the Hebrew people, were carrying these promises. When it got to the time of the kings... Many years later, hundreds of years later, they also understood this promise. So Psalm 72 captures this. Verse 17. May his, that is the king's, name endure forever. May it continue as long as the sun. Then all the nations will be blessed through him and they will call him blessed. Now if you fly your plane through the Bible in history, forward in time, and you land in the New Testament... You see that God's covenant with Abraham that happened way back, thousands of years back, becomes fulfilled in, send, in the sending of Jesus. 
Because the arrival of the Son of God was the perfect blessing for the world. Jesus was what the world truly needed. Jesus came blessing the people with healing and miracles. He blessed people with words of hope. And he blessed people with his love, his forgiveness and his divine grace. Matthew 5, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. As members of the church, we travel together in the world, aware of God's blessing to us, so that we can bless others. God wants us to participate in the fulfilment of his covenant that he made with Abraham. Now sometimes churches are not very much a blessing at all. It's as if they opted out of Abraham's God's covenant with Abraham. It's as if they opted out of God's mission to the world. And all that therefore is like a country club just to get together and have cups of tea and you know, sing a few songs if you're lucky. But that's not the kind of church we want to be at Mary Creek. You might feel unworthy, incapable of being the kind of person that could, God could use to be a blessing to your neighbourhood, to, to the world. You might feel unworthy to participate in God's original covenant to Abraham. But it's, I guess it's not a bad thing necessarily that you feel unworthy and incapable. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth and he said this, Brothers and sisters, Think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. God can use anyone and he does use anyone. As the famous 19th century missionary Hudson Taylor once said, and this quote's on the back of your booklet if you want to see his nice beard, he said, God isn't looking for people of great faith, but for individuals ready to follow him. And that was Hudson Taylor's story as he committed his life to bringing the Christian faith to China over a span of 50 years. Each and everyone here, no matter who you are, no matter what sins you may have done in the past, no matter how far you have fallen, no matter if you're in jail in Indonesia, on death row, if you have faith in Jesus, then God wants to work through you and your friends at church to bless the world. I love reading Henry Nowen and um, in his work called uh, Called Out, he, he, write, he wrote this, sorry, in his work called Reaching Out, he wrote this about being called out. He said... The basis of the Christian community is not the family tie or social or economic equality or shared oppression of complaint or mutual attraction, but the divine call. The Christian community is not the result of human efforts. 
God has made us into chosen people by calling us out of Egypt to the new land, out of the desert to fertile ground, out of slavery to freedom, out of our sin to salvation, out of captivity to liberation. All these words and images give expression to the fact that the initiative belongs to God and that God is the source of our new life together. By our common call to the new Jerusalem, we recognise each other on the road as brothers and sisters. Therefore, as the people of God, we are called ecclesia, from the Greek kale, which means call, and ek, which means out, called out. The community called out of the world into the new. So when Jesus tells his parables about the kingdom of God, we get images of transformation, growth, the kingdom of God going out. It's like a mustard seed that is the smallest of all seeds. And then once planted, grows and becomes a tree that birds can perch in. And it's like yeast that a woman took and mixed into 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Yeast is used in baking as a leavening agent where it converts the fermentable sugars present in dough into carbon dioxide. And this causes the dough to expand or rise and form the gas into pockets of bubbles. And you might have seen that happen in, in front of you, the dough actually growing. It's pretty cool to watch. When the dough is baked, the yeast dies and the air pockets set, giving the baked product a soft and spongy texture and it's yummy to eat. Now, when yeast is used for making bread, it is mixed with flour, salt and warm water or milk and the dough is kneaded until it's smooth and then left to rise. Sometimes it's even doubled in size. A longer rising time gives a better flavour. This week, in our vision series, we're thinking about this. Imagine a church community whose active and transformative presence is dispersed in the neighbourhood like yeast in dough. And what I'm tying together are two important concepts. I'm tying the idea of being yeast in dough in the neighbourhood as another way of thinking about what it means to be used by God to bring his blessing to the world. This drive that we've got to be yeast in dough, to be spread out in the community, to bring transformation, to have God use us in the neighbourhood, is basically living out the promises of God made to Abraham. We want to fully realise that we are citizens of the kingdom of God. We want to fully realise that, that God is using us to channel his supernatural and explosive power to transform the people around us. So how can we be a blessing? Um, this week, it's always great when you're preparing a sermon, you hear something really cool that's related to your sermon the week before. I heard this great way of thinking about this from an author, American author called Dave Ferguson. And um, he came up with this idea of thinking about how do you, as the people of God, bless your neighbourhood? Well, he broke it down to B-L-E-S-S. Easy to remember. B, begin with prayer. We want to ask, God, how do you want me to bless the people in the places where I go each day? If we want to be a church that has an effective ministry of blessing the neighbourhood, then we need to pray. A really good thing to do is prayer walks around your house, like the suburbs around your house or the streets around your house, or around your work. 
Um, and last year we did a couple of prayer walks in Mary Creek. And what happens is, as you walk and you're praying, you see things. You see people, see buildings, and that prompts a prayer. It makes you think of what to pray for. Um, it's like you're connecting your prayer life with God and the world around you. Um, it's amazing what God shows you. A number of us have felt convicted that we need to ramp up the prayer in our church. Um, last year, Harshini led a series of prayer days, prayer walks and other things before church. Um, I want to encourage us all to participate in that, to maybe see it as your particular ministry. If you don't have a ministry yet, make that your ministry. Everyone should have the ministry of prayer, but let's have a few people who it's an extra special thing. Come and see me or Harshini if you want to join in with being committed to a regular prayer for our church. Later in the year, we're actually going to do a series on prayer, a sermon series on prayer. And I'm going to encourage our community groups um, and everyone here to read through Tim Keller's new book on prayer. Here's a helpful section that he writes about prayer from his book. He says, Jesus Christ taught his disciples to pray, healed people with prayers, denounced the corruption of the temple worship, which he said should be a house of prayer, and insisted that some demons could be cast out only through prayer. He prayed often and regular with fervent cries and tears, and sometimes all night. The Holy Spirit came upon him and anointed him as he was praying. And he was transfigured with the divine glory as he prayed. When he faced his greatest crisis, he did so with prayer. We hear him praying for his disciples in the church on the night before he died, and then petitioning God in agony in the Garden of Gethsemane, finally died praying. If Jesus thought it was so important to pray so often for people, then so should we. So how are you going to pray for your neighbourhood? That's B. Begin with prayer. L. Listen. Don't talk, but listen to people, their struggles, their pains, in the places God sent you. When Jesus interacted with people, he treated each person uniquely, with a story. Through his prophetic insight, he engaged with where they were at. Like a Samaritan woman at the well who had five husbands and the next guy she's with is not her husband. Or like Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector who was hated by everyone and he even hated himself for the way he was treating people. And you know, he engaged with the stories of these people. In fact, if you read through the Gospels and do a bit of statistics and count it all up, you see nine cases where Jesus initiated the conversations. Um, then you see 25 instances when it was the other person who started the conversations and Jesus just sits there listening. Or you have sometimes uh, conversations where it's a third party who, who starts the conversation and then there's Jesus just listening to the story about people. Um, he, he had these conversations of listening and, and talking and listening um, in places like the workplace, um, in homes, even very few were in religious settings. Mostly it was out, outdoors. And the types of conversation were often questions and then listening. He connected with people's thoughts and feelings. He didn't necessarily look for closure. He just kind of left it going. He uh, understood that time is required for ideas to simmer in people's hearts, for people to own them before they act on them. We can learn a whole lot of things from Jesus listening. He knew how to take initiative. He responded to the initiative of others. He, he left room in his schedule for interruptions by friends and others enlisting his help. He met people on their own turf. He was interested in establishing common ground with others. In fact, I want to take this listening idea further because I think this is about, about empathy. 
if you spend time listening to your neighbours, you'll develop empathy. You'll understand them better. They'll feel cared for. I got a hard, like, some cool ideas about empathy from um, this uh, Dr. Brené Brown, who's done this kind of the, the most popular TED Talk, 15 million listens or something, from the University of Houston. And, um, and she says this, empathy requires perspective-taking, Recognise the perspective of their truth. Staying out of judgment, which relates a bit to what we talked about last week. Recognising the emotion in the other person and then communicating that emotion. Feeling with people. Um, Brené Brown says, empathy is like a sacred space where a person has gone down into a deep, dark hole and they shout out from the bottom of that hole, I'm stuck! And it's dark and I'm overwhelmed. And we say, hey, I know what it's like down there. And you're not alone. Sympathy, on the other hand, is saying, wow, that's really bad. To empathise, you actually need to connect with something in yourself and feel what the other person feels. People who empathise don't respond to the other person with, well, at least... You know, so, so people share something painful with, with you and we try and put a silver lining on it. That's what at least is about. So, you know, a woman might say, I had a miscarriage. And you say, well, at least you can get pregnant. Or I think my marriage is falling apart. Well, at least you've got a husband or a wife, you know. That's, that's not empathy. That's just kind of trying to make it better by saying some stupid response. Sometimes we're not good at listening. We spend most of our time worrying about how we're feeling and we feel uncomfortable with the idea of going down in a hole with the other person. We feel anxious about identifying too closely with their pain, so we try and make it better. So what Brené Brown says is that good empathetic listening involves simply acknowledging that you've heard and that you're feeling their pain. Is somewhat, and that, that's what they're looking for. If I tell you that I've had a death in the family, I don't want you to try and make it better with your advice. You can't do that. If you want to make me feel better, all you need to say is something like, I don't know what to say, but I'm just so glad that you told me. It's connecting. Now think about this. This is not just pop psychology. This is theology. Because one of the major blessings Jesus brought to the world was an act of divine empathy. He got down in the hole with us. He came down from heaven and stepped into this world and experienced the trials of life as a human being. So the writer of the Hebrews says about Jesus in Hebrews 4 verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathise with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So when we pray, Jesus, life is so hard. Life is a mess. He says, I hear you. I've been there. And he feels it. And he connects with us. Now in case you've lost the thread of what we're talking about here, we're talking about being a church whose active and transformative presence is dispersed in the community like used in Doe. And this is about participating in God's blessing of the world. We've talked about beginning with prayer and now we're talking about listening. And specifically listening so that you can empathise with people. A church that empathises with its neighbourhood will be a blessing to its neighbourhood. So I challenge you this week to try and listen to one person's story. 
See what connection develops. Go down in the hole with them. B-L-E for eat. You can't just check this off. It's not, it's not just a quick idea. You have to have meals with people. You have to have coffees. Invite your neighbours and colleagues over for a meal. One of the best things we did in our block, uh, in St Carson Street in Kew, was um, in December, there was a new lady who just moved in and um, she was pregnant. And, um, and uh, uh, we got a couple of people together. And we had a Christmas, like, you know, fruitcake and champagne at her house for afternoon tea. And suddenly we were all just sitting there eating and talking and sharing our life story with each other. Um, we laughed and we talked about hard stuff and we blessed each other with our relationships. It's significant. Jesus ate meals with people and in doing so he blessed them. The early church had open meals and invited the poor and the marginalised people in and they were a blessing to their village. Today we should be a people who eat together. Young adults are going out for a lunch afterwards. This is a way of being a blessing to each other, but that could extend into being a blessing to other people. We can all do this. So who are you going to bless this week with a meal or a coffee or something? B-L-E-S, serve. If you pray for people and you listen with people and even eat with them, you will t- they will tell you how to love them and you'll know how to serve them. Each and every community group in our church needs to discern how to serve its own neighbourhood. At the end of this year, I want us to be able to point to our service of the wider community. You might have skills that you can offer to your neighbours. You might be good with the tools. You might have accounting skills or legal skills or be a great cook. Just having functioning body limbs enables you to serve. Matthew 20, 28, Jesus said, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What we are doing is being like Jesus. Um, he came to fulfil the Abrahamic covenant and we participate in that blessing that flows out of that as we imitate him and get the benefit of, of what he did for us when he gave his life as a ransom for many. So just think about this. This will flip your mind. Just by mowing the lawn for your neighbour, you are participating in God's covenant with Abraham 4,000 years ago. That's a trip. That's cool. This is what it means to have our active and transformative presence dispersed in the neighbourhood like yeast in dough. So who are you going to bless this week through an active service? And the last S is story. So when the time is right, then you can have a conversation and share the story about how Jesus has changed your life. You can talk about what you love about being a Christian. You can talk about your church friends. You can... Talk about something you've read in the Bible, about what you've been praying about. You can tell the story of God's grace in your life. In telling your story, you will be a blessing to them and you're going to be pointing them to Jesus. Who are you going to bless this week? Begin with prayer. Listen. Eat. Serve. And story. Let's pray. Lord God, um, we want to fulfil this part of our vision so much. And um, we want to be a blessing to the neighbourhood. We want the inner north of Melbourne um, to receive your blessing and for you to use us as, as instruments of that. Please give us the courage. Even if we think we're unworthy or don't have anything to say or do or offer, that you can still use us. We know, we know that that's how you work that it's through your strength and through your power and your wisdom that the kingdom of God really grows. 
Amen.